clamor for the very qualities we render impossible. We laugh at honor, integrity, and truth, and are shocked when we find traitors in our midst. We remove the organ and demand the function. We castrate and then bid the geldings be fruitful. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. We discover something essential about our hearts on the journey to understand our own story. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. We've got a great show, episode, movie for you to talk about. We're going to talk about Warrior. Uh, Nick Nolte, uh, Tom Hardy, MMA, fathers, sons, brothers, forgiveness. There's even Moby Dick in here. So... Hope you guys like it. There's this big tournament. Top 16 middleweights in the world. And when it takes all, I'm gonna need a trainer. Of that much you were good at. Frank, I need this. I got a family to protect. Everything I do is for them. What's going on up here? Daddy is now a princess. Mom needed you. I needed you. You're my big brother. You bailed on me. I was a 16-year-old kid. What the hell did I know? You had a choice. Okay, you had a choice. So again, welcome to the podcast. And today, you're you're getting you're lucky. You're getting Paul McDonald squared. Uh, so my name is Paul McDonald, and I'm talking with my dad, who's also named Paul McDonald. So hey, dad, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. So. This is the question we always ask at the beginning. And I say always, this is the third one we've recorded, but always, we've always asked this one. Uh, why did we pick this movie? I think uh, mainly because of the message yeah. uh, that's in the movie. I got kind of caught up with it the first time I watched it. You know, this wasn't a very big box office success. They, they only broke even, I think. No, a lot of people haven't heard this, but the people that watched it love it. Yeah. And we love it. <laughs> I've watched it a number of years ago um, and saw it pop up again. I don't know whether it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, but I saw it pop up again and I watched it again and enjoyed it. And I watched it with my grandson, Austin, uh, probably last year. Yeah. Um, and he he liked it. Uh, but I think the story in it. Teenage boys, always a good uh, barometer of good movies. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that might have been the target audience, you know. <laughs> I think it was. But uh, I just thought a lot of the issues resonated with me in this movie. Um, it's kind of funny. I was talking to a friend of mine just uh, last week and told him that we were doing this, and we talked about the movie and uh, went through a couple of the, the themes and within the family and that type of thing with him as we were we were jogging and uh, he said well that's my family without the without the fighting uh, the, oh yeah the, they, they the weren't current, MMA fighters 
No, they were not. <laughs> but he said just about everything else fit uh, within his family. And over time, I think this is the way it is with a lot of families. Maybe not to this extreme. Well, and we're recording this in the, the space between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So uh, a time when, while we might want a lot of family, you know, you have a lot of hopes for the, the uh, you know, Courier and Ives, uh, Bing Crosby Christmas. Uh, it probably more often turns into the uh, National Lampoons, the Chevy Chase Christmas. Right. <laughs> My brother likes Christmas with the cranks better. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so let's get into the setup of the movie. The, the, there's three main characters. Uh, you've, it starts with Nick Nolte, the dad. His name's Patty, Patty Conlon. And uh, he goes, it's the sort of the first dialogue that starts is he drives home and he sees his son, Tommy, there on the steps, played by Tom Hardy. And... He, the dad is sort of excited to see him, but there's some tension. There's a history of, it sounds like of, of drinking some physical and emotional abuse. And as the story develops, you get the, the understanding that years ago, I think it was, it's been over a decade since uh, they've seen each other and Tommy uh, and Tom Hardy, I think does a great job. I, I wrote down at one point, he looks like a, he always looks like a caged animal uh, and not even that, but a caged animal in a corner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so then, so he goes and he, and he's talking to his dad and there's just this accusation left and right of, you know, Oh, you were always a man of priorities. You took care of the car. Um, you know, something like whiskey doesn't drink itself. Uh, it's hard to find a girl who can take a punch these days. Uh, just one after another, the verbal baseball bats towards his dad. And his dad's like, basically, I found Jesus. And he's like, oh, how nice for you. <laughs> I found it quite interesting, especially in the beginning of the movie. Uh, there was a scene where they're in a diner. Mm -hmm. And he's asking, Tommy is asking his father to be his trainer. Because he trusts him. This is tournament. It's a big tournament. Top 16 middleweights in the world, single elimination, when it takes all. It's a lot of money. Okay. I'm gonna do that. But if I'm doing it, then, uh, then I'm gonna need a trainer. Not that much you were good at. What? No, 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 no. This doesn't mean anything, okay? I'm serious. We train. That's it. I don't want to hear a word about anything but training. You understand? You want to tell your war stories? You can take them down to VFW. Right? You can take them to a meeting or to church or whatever. Whatever the hell it is that you do nowadays. So he, the, the dad, Patty, responds with this little smirk on his face hoping for restoration. Maybe it's an invitation to a relationship with his son who's been gone for, I think, 16 years. Um, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, there's, the movie's vague on a lot some of these points, but it's been a long time. Yeah, and what I found interesting in that, um, that segment was how kind Tommy was to the waitress. 
And then he turns to his father and he's hmm. just as hard as can be again. But the waitress comes, asks if you would like some coffee and it's yes, please. Thank you. Um, it's not overtly, you know, sentimental or, or gooey that he's with the waitress, but at the same time, he's very polite and kind. Yeah. A lot of people don't say thank you when they get a cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> it was like, you're doing your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, he paid a little attention in, in just those remarks. And then he turns to his dad and he's just focusing in on, I need you, but I'm just using you here. Yeah. And he would actually say that later on in the movie. And we'll, we'll probably have that clip when he and Brendan, his brother finally meet and talk and, um, you know, and there's, as we'll find, uh, forgiveness is a theme throughout this movie. Um, there was a there was a really interesting interview with the director who also directed Miracle, and um, and what the one of the critics actually said was, "What makes Warrior interesting is that all the machismo is used to set up a theme of forgiveness, and you don't really see any forgiveness at all." Or even desire for, you know, he comes back and he's like, I don't, I don't want a relationship. I just, I'm using you for your training, for your knowledge. And because I, that's what, the one thing that you know how to do, the only thing you were ever good at was training. Mm -hmm. And throughout the movie, he constantly kind of stiff arms his dad's attempts to interact. He's like, I can wake myself up. I can pour my own coffee. We're not going to get into any, you know, backstory. This is it. You're my trainer, period, end of story. Yeah, that was an interesting scene. The first day that uh, um, they start training, Patty goes upstairs as if the kid's in high school to go wake him up. Yeah. And he's making all these funny noises and songs and say straight. I mean, has nothing to do with it. It cuts him off at the knees. And that's tough. Yeah. You know, the, the father's going up there with joy and excitement and uh, his son really pretty much says, just shut up. And yeah. <laughs> I'll well, take and, care and of myself. And multiple times in the movie, Tommy tells Patty, I liked you better as a drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is weird. So you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me. But that's a pretty limited and literal way of looking at movies. Which we don't really do here on the podcast. We're like, well, because one of the, the things we talk about is all truth is God's truth. So because we, I think that a lot of times we can look at people and, and hold their past, hold their history against them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in this case, I uh, was talking to um, about a year and a half ago, I was dealing with um, some issues with a friend of mine and I was talking with my therapist, my counselor, whatever nice word you want to paint on it, <laughs> <laughs> my mental health advocate. And we were asking, I was like, well, what does forgiveness look like? And I love the way that he put it. He said, so when somebody does something to you, it's like they come in, they come in with muddy shoes and track all over your carpet. They've done something offensive to you they've hurt you and it's sort of picture it that way 
So the next time they come over to your house and ring the doorbell or knock on the door, how are you going to respond? Because, and in this case, uh, Tommy is saying, no, you're not coming in the house. I'm not even answering the door. Get out, stay away. The other response that we, I think, often think of is forgiveness is going to the door saying, yay, come on in. And they go ahead and track mud all over your carpet again. But what um, my counselor said, he's like, forgiveness is answering the door, but checking their feet. It's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to come to the door, but that doesn't mean you have the same access that you did before. It's like, I have to make sure your feet are clean. And I thought that that was a really good way of, of um, sort of holding that balance. That's one of those analogies that has really stuck with me about how to be forgiving without feeling like a doormat or saying, hey, what you did, what you did was wrong. I am choosing to maintain a relationship, but that doesn't mean that you can continue to walk all over me. Well, if that's the case, then the other person may not necessarily be seeking for forgiveness. It's an interesting idea. I, I got to think about that for a little while, I think. Um, so Tommy and Patty are trading. And then we see during this, we're, we're getting introduced to Brendan, his other son. And Brendan is a school teacher. Uh, his students love him. He also is, we find out he's, he's also fighting. Uh, he used to be in the UFC, so he used to actually be a professional. Uh, he was like completely average, completely overlooked. And so he's going to this, it was a, a, a fight that was in the parking lot of a strip club. And he's just fighting because he's trying to make some money. Uh, because as we find out, his daughter uh, was born and needed a heart transplant and they had to refinance the house to pay the medical bills and they can't, they're running out of money. Their house is going to get foreclosed on, you know, the big impetus of I need to fight. This is the only way I can make money. He finds out the the school that he works at finds out that he was fighting. They're like, well, this doesn't look good. You're on, you're suspended without pay. So now he really up a creek and then about right around now is his dad shows up and we kind of glean from it that about three years ago, there was a drunken exhibition that basically Brendan says, no, you can't come into the house. You can't engage. He said, uh, you know, I, that the way that you did the way that you treated mom, that's not okay in my house and you can't come in. And then, uh, Patty asked him, he's like, won't you forgive me? Yeah, I'll tell you. Part of the reason, part of the reason I stuck around, because I thought I'd finally get you all to myself. But you didn't have any interest in training me. Yeah, Tommy was the one. Oh, Brendan, I was a drunk. I mean, you know. Brendan, I'm sorry. Oh, forget it. You're always a front runner. Never had any interest in underdogs. I was your son. You are my son, Brendan. Am I? Yeah, you are. I just, I'm just asking you if you can find a, a better space in your heart. Forgive me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I forgive you. Okay. But I do not trust you. And that's. That's such a powerful scene because Nick Nolte's there and he's he's a man broken by his past. 
he knows the wounds that he's put on his sons and his um his wife the Tommy's and Brendan's mother is, has since died so Tommy and his mom left and we find out Brendan didn't he stayed back like he just said because he thought oh I finally got dad to myself but you didn't care about training me you only cared about training Tommy he's like whatever I got I did on my own and also he had this a girlfriend who ended up being becoming his wife and you know so he's got this this seemingly nice life they they're in a nice house in the burbs and he's got two daughters and you know you see the birthday party and all this but it, behind it all he's he's losing his house and he's a man uh sort of on the brink um and i think both of them it, it in these moments where they're lost they don't know what to do they turn to the one thing they do know mm -hmm. and that's fighting well i thought it was interesting as well the the dynamic even at that time, um, the father says, I've been sober now for a thousand days, Tommy. Or not Tommy, but uh, Brendan. And there wasn't a whole lot of joy in that. It's almost like it didn't matter. You violated your our space. We had an agreement you could call or you could write, yeah. but you can't come here. Yeah. Something <laughs> wrong with your hands, Dad? You That's can't right. use the phone? <laughs> You can you can communicate through the mail or through the phone. And then I, I thought it was quite interesting, the difference of his life in his house. I'm talking about Brendan. The joy, the love that's there. Supportive wife, beautiful kids, and they're all mm -hmm. having a great time. Uh, and there he was at a birthday party getting made up. Uh, the girl's making yeah. him up. He yes. was the princess. Because um, <laughs> what dad with daughters hasn't <laughs> had that happen? You get your hair clips done. You get made up. You get your nails painted. Uh, but you see a similarity between uh, Brendan and Tommy here, I think, and that he's got all this softness going in one direction in, towards his family. Mm. He's got all this love coming towards him. Of course, Tommy didn't have a whole lot of that. But um, even at the school, the kids seemed to really like him principal liked him yeah um but then he's got a hard side to him that he's he's carrying some bitterness here um that that comes out and i think that that's not unusual for all of us i mean we are complex kind of people and we can compartmentalize yeah uh what we're doing um how we're living um and what we're doing to other folks we can do be really nice on one hand to some people and really ugly to, <laughs> to others. And uh, some of that comes from past experiences. And, and uh, well, he mentioned that his dad, he wanted more from his dad and his dad couldn't give it to him. And of course, if you think about it, this is all kids looking to their father for something that they want. And sometimes the dads are unable to provide it based on their circumstances in life. Next question becomes, well, what is it that they want, especially sons looking to their dads? Pretty much um, attention, <laughs> I think. And because for them, attention equals validation. He's like, I was your son. Mm. Like, I wanted to be your son, but I, you never, you were never a father to me. I was your son. Like that was, that's such, he's like, no, you are my son. And he's like, whatever. And I think many of us, 
by many, I think I mean all of us. We 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 act we're orphans. When Jesus came, when he when even the disciples were like, you know, we, we see you going off on the mountains to pray. Can you teach us how to pray? Because we wanna we wanna live like you, we wanna walk like you're living. And he said, When you pray, pray like this, our Father. And that was not something that was done. Like that's not the relationship in you know, 2000 years ago that the Israelites or the Jews have with God. It's not a father son relationship. It's a, um, King servant, orphan, peasant beggar. If I just do enough stuff, then maybe I can, if I sacrifice enough animals (laughs) at that time, if I can just be more obedient, I can get into heaven. If I, if I check all the boxes and I think, that's what you see, especially from Brendan. I was like, I thought I'd have you. I thought if I stayed, maybe I'd get to be the son. But it didn't happen. And I think a lot of people, um, and that and that's sort of what happens when we look to really anything, but especially the temptation is look to our earthly fathers, our our human biological fathers, for stuff that really can only come from our heavenly father that sense of validation and ultimately forgiveness. Well, that's the part, the hard part about the kids growing up. I think much high, more highly of the father until they get old enough and see some of the awards <laughs> and understand the, <laughs> yeah. the failures of, uh, of their dad. And the whole idea here in, in forgiveness, and I think that this goes back to what you were saying about having mud on your feet and tramp, tramping in uh, on your carpeting, when it comes to thanks to forgiveness, I think it has to do with whether or not you act in a way in your relationship, if you're, or how you act, if your relationship is hindered by something, then that's what you need to work on in forgiving and forgiveness. You get to the point where your relationship is kind of more like what it was in the sense of, I'm not going to hold this against you any longer. And, of course, Brendan was pretty uh, flippant in his, yeah, yeah, I forgive you, but I just don't trust you kind of a thing. You wonder, well, how genuine was his forgiveness? But later in the movie, he does say, well, I forgive Dad. Right, and he even, Patty, is after he says that, he's like, it doesn't, don't they go together? Don't trust and forgiveness go together? And then he sees his granddaughters in the door. He's like, oh, look how big they're getting. And he goes in, and the girls are like, who is that? And they were just like, eh, just some nice old man. But at least he said some nice old man. (laughs) Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, he he said, I think in this section as well, I came to get my son back. Mm. Patty is showing a tremendous amount of humility in a lot of the scenes in this movie. He takes a lot of abuse from both of them. He does. Every once in a while, he kind of stiffens his back and and says, well, this is the way it's going to be, or it's got to be if we're yeah. going to do this. But to say that he's not a total mat to wipe your feet on. Uh, but at the same time, he shows a lot of humility in seeking forgiveness and restoration with his kids. But it also seemed like he had an okay life going. You know, he'd go to the diner for breakfast and, you know, he listening to classical books and, and working on his life and getting it together. 
uh, and it's almost these guys have intruded to say, you know, we we got a you got an empty space here that you got to fill. Yeah. <laughs> in, in dealing with the reconciliation. Well, and uh, we recorded. Um, we talked about planes, trains, and automobiles with Britt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it will have aired probably a few weeks ago by now, but it's sort of that thing where, um, you know, in that movie, Steve Martin's character Neil, he's got a pretty comfortable life going. He just wants to get home for Thanksgiving, and here comes this giant disruption of a man in Dell who completely disrupts his life, but then at the same time is the only way that Neil actually gets home. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, you know, you see Patty, he's just kind of going through the motions. Who knows when the last time he's talked to Brendan, you know it's been over a decade since he's seen Tommy, and he's just sort of living his comfortable life and then in in that diner scene, he does tell tell Tom, he's like, you came to me. Like, before you get all high and mighty about setting the rules, do this yeah. or I'm going to walk, you're the one who came to me. So quit your threats to walk away every five minutes, all right? He, and that, like you said, he stiffened up and said, you know, here's how it's going to be. But I think a lot of times for us, we're sort of live, we find ourselves pretty comfortable because that's, that's sort of our default setting is we seek comfort we see ease of life and then something happens that we think of as a disruption or an inconvenience or discomfort that is really god's way of bringing our hearts together because what happens is through seeing tommy i think patty's like i have another son i want a better relationship you know he says i want to break bread i want to and he's doing everything, and you see that desperation of a father desperate to connect with sons who have really want nothing to do with him. Well, and he he took it one step further, either even uh, telling him Tommy's in town now. I I assume that he was trying to get the two of them together as well. Right. Oh, he's he's trying to get the the band back together again, <laughs> if right. you will. Well, and as 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 a father with two sons, I have two sons. You've had two sons. Me and my brother. One of my biggest fears is to be like Patty, to have sons who want nothing to do with me. I can't imagine like a worse outcome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they grow up and they're like, oh, my dad was kind of a jerk. I don't really like him that much. I'm, I don't want anything to do with him. You know, all cats in the cradle. thing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fear, you know, and that's, um, I can remember when I was, uh, Oh my goodness, I was probably uh, in my 20s still and going, went to a church and I saw a guy who was, he was probably in his 50s, his kids were growing up and they were all kind of together. And I can recall speaking to him and wanting to know, what is it that you did uh, to keep your family together? Because that's concern. You never really look at a baby and say, well, you're going to hate me when you grow up. Or are you going to hate me? Uh, but at the same time, you, I saw him as very blessed in that his kids were were in the church, uh, and they were older, obviously. And so it's always been an interest to me to look at older folks and see how they did it, at least the successful ones, even the ones that have, everyone has failed. But uh, right. That to see older folks with joy and 
and and still have a relationship with our kids in spite of their failings and our failings as parents. It takes this kind of stuff, the forgiveness part, yeah, and the the seeking out of reconciliation from time to time. So maybe that's another reason why it resonates. In this instance, Patty has to forgive his son for leaving. He has to forgive Tommy for leaving. He has to forgive Brendan for uh, shutting him out. And that may seem crazy, but he also has to forgive himself for years of abuse and wounding. And for it, it works the same way. Like we have to forgive ourselves for the ways that we hurt our kids, both intentionally and unintentionally, because he's like, I was a drunk. And, you know, we're not, we're not perfect. And no one knows that more than our kids. <laughs> yeah. Except a, maybe our wives. <laughs> there's a passage in, uh, I think it's Ezekiel 36 uh, area, at any rate, in which God writes his laws on our hearts and, and basically gives new life to the people. And then after that happens, it said, and you will loathe yourselves. Uh, for what you have done. Oftentimes we're blind to our own sin for a while until God opens our eyes to it. And uh, when we see it, uh, we hate uh, what we did. We can't ever change it. It's that Romans, Romans 7. Mm. Like, oh, I do what I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I do want to do. And I'm powerless to change it. What a woeful, <laughs> miserable human being I am. Wretched man that I yeah. And that's, that's pretty much where they are right now. All of them. You've got Brendan who can't pay the bills. They're about to be evicted. They're about to be homeless and not for a bad thing. Not, it's not like he had a gambling problem or he lost his job. Well, he sort of did, but it, it was because his daughter needed a heart transplant and he did, you know, everything he did, he did for them. You know, Tommy went and, he first, you know, as we'll find out, he he left with his mom. He watched his mom die. We, we don't really get a lot of detail about how or when or what. He goes in the Marines, and then his brother in the Marines, you know, when, when, when um, Brendan and Tommy finally meet, he's like, I'm your brother. And Tommy's like, were you in the Corps? If you weren't in the Corps, then you're not my brother. He's like, I watched my brother die. And it got him to the point where he left. I thought when uh, Brendan goes to his upcoming trainer, Frank. We all need a friend like Frank. We do. But Frank is guilty because he didn't come around and when the daughter was having all the heart problems and the all these other things going on in Brendan's life, he wasn't there for him. But what does he do? There's a, I, I totally miss that. And I see it now because he's like, hey, I heard about your daughter I was going to call and then, you know, and there's that time that stuff happens. You're like, I, I should do something. I don't know what. And then it gets long enough. You're like, this would be awkward now if I did something. And he's like, I'm sorry. And, and Brennan's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, 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 no. Hey man, I'm sorry. And I think right. that shifted like that got Brendan's attention. Yeah. And then he said, I basically need some help. I'm about to lose my house. And he immediately thought, well, I'll give you the money that I yeah. had. And so in a way you can see that he saw himself as a sinner 
mm-hmm. and the, the treatment of his friend. He sought forgiveness for it, and now he's going to seek to help. And so it was a true, a true scene of forgiveness, restoration, and and actually making amends of what he was willing to do. But that's not what Brendan had in mind. <laughs> well, and I think too is that a lot of times we approach that of, hey, I did somebody wrong, I asked their forgiveness, and then here's what redemption looks like. Here's what, you know, and for him, he's like, let me give you, I, I don't, most of my money's wrapped up in the gym, but what I have is I'll, I'll be happy to give to you. And he's like, no, that's not what I want. I want you to train me, which takes him aback. And he's like, what? That's weird. Okay. And that was harder. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, forgiveness, I think comes on the, the person, the aggrieved person's terms. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, well, you've got to do this to earn my forgiveness back, but it's not even forgiveness, but there's a forgiveness and then there's a restoration of the relationship. And when the lead fighter from their gym goes down to an injury, Brendan goes to him, he's like, get me into the Sparta. And that's the big 16 person event. Get me into the tournament. You can do it. You, you know. And he's there all along the way of talking about, you're getting beat by a physics teacher. You're getting, he's like, in that relationship, that pumping up, that feel the rhythm, listen to the music. Um, and uh, just that encouragement and support and saying, yeah, you can do this. To the point of, it's like, yeah, I'll make a call. I'll see what I can do. And he walks away. He's like, I love my coach. <laughs> And it's funny too, because he calls him coach. He doesn't call him Frank, which I thought was interesting, you know, that, that he, he became submissive to that relationship of I'm learning from you and we're, we're friends, we're peers, but in this instance, I'm putting myself, I'm becoming an apprentice mm-hmm. because you have, you, I'm listening to you. I'll, I'll follow your guidance. Yeah. I think that Frank had a great role in this movie. I love Frank. (laughs) So yeah, so Frank gets him through, he trains him. And this is what we see is Tommy is all alone by choice. Mm -hmm. But he goes in, you know, even when he gets to the tournament, when he goes in, he goes in by himself. You know, you you see the the trainers and stuff, they go in, they're rubbing their fighter shoulders and uh, Patty tries to do that to, to Tommy. And he's like, get off me. Don't touch me. What are you doing? He goes in, there's no music, there's no joy, there's no celebration. He's fighting angry. And he goes in and he just, the first dude, he knocks straight out. Just bang, one punch, he's out. And he, before they even say the winner is, he's out the door, like, just gone. Stomping off, if you will. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And leaves his trainer, his dad, standing in the corner being like, where, where are you going? There's no high five. <laughs> no, there's no joy. There's no celebration. It's all anger and business and he's alone. And he, and the crazy thing, they find out about his, his uh, war hero efforts. They find out about these guys say, man, this guy came in. We had no idea who he was. He saved our lives. So he becomes this beloved hero He's very popular. Everybody's cheering for him because he's this underdog, but he's got this amazing power. He ripped the door off a tank. You know, the, the Marines show up and sing the, the halls of Montezuma and 
he recognizes none of it. You know, these people that don't know him love him. Conversely, you've got Brendan, as you mentioned, his students love him. They call him Mr. C. It's funny. They go to the principal. They say, hey, we want to do this. We want to, you know, rent out the auditorium so we can watch Mr. C fight. And the principal says, so let me get this straight. You want me to give you permission to use school property to watch your teacher do something for which he is no longer working here. (laughs) They're like, yeah, okay. And then what happens is, you know, he and Brendan goes in and, and he's beloved, but he's beloved by the people who know him. And he goes in with Frank and they go in listening to Ode to Joy, uh, the Beethoven music. And they're just like, and, and they're going in and the announcers, they're talking about the strength and the power and the war hero, Tommy. And they go in and this is where they say, oh, this guy, he's the only thing I remember is he was completely immemorable. Yeah, he was completely average. He's going to get there. He has no business being here. And then he goes in and everybody he fights is obviously, you know, better than him and, and, you know, more skilled and, and they kind of mark it out as a fluke. But the thing I thought was interesting as they go through the fights, Tommy wins by knocking people out and Brendan wins by making them submit. No, oh, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. He didn't knock anybody out. No. And what he did, he won by not submitting. Just hold on till the end of the round. Just don't tap out. Just don't tap out. And he doesn't. But then he, it's almost a strength of will of, because he's, he's fighting for his, really his love of his daughter because it's his daughter is the reason they're in it in the first place. Hmm. So they do, they go through the first round, the first two fights, they get through them. And then they end up Patty and not Patty, Tommy and, and Brendan end up on the beach. And this is the first time they've seen each other or talked to each other since they left. And as I mentioned, Tommy has no interest in, he's like, you're not my brother. You're just a dude. Like you, you know, you were supposed to go with us. Like the plan was me and mom, we were all going to leave. And you chose to stay with dad and your girlfriend. You're like, she's my wife, man. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's walking off. You see Brendan again, trying to engage in a relationship. He's like, it's like, I want to know my brother. And there's nothing. He's like, you left. And then, and Tommy's like, well, you should have left. So they both feel betrayed and angry. So that leads to this. God, man, I don't understand this. What, you, so you you won't forgive me, but you you forgave Pop. No, he's just some old vet that I train with. You know, he means nothing to me. What I hear, he means nothing to you either. You got balls talking about forgiveness. That has nothing to do with forgiveness. I got children, man. I got a family to protect. Everything I do is for them. I forgave Pop. Just like I forgave you and Mom. You forgave us? Yeah. I'm not surprised you made the tournament, Brendan. You got some stones, man. I fell in love. What 
the hell was I supposed to you do? You were supposed to stick to the plan. You were supposed to come with us. Mom needed you. I needed you. You're my big brother. You bailed on me. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you stayed. Everything worked out for you. You leave, you get the opposite. Okay? You leave, you get to bury people. You're not the only one that suffered, Tommy. I didn't even know she was sick. I never even got the chance to say goodbye to my own mother. And that scene, you get to see the, the, the pain of both the brothers coming out. The flip side of the same event. Yeah. That they got angry for the way that the other, what the other did. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think they, from that, uh, clip you just played you can feel the emotion yeah. the hurt that's that they have it's interesting it was set on a beach and we're, we're listening on and off throughout the movie to moby dick story right so <laughs> let's get into this moby dick idea so when in the very first scene nick nolte gets into the car and he's listening to audiobooks and it, the audiobook is moby dick and every so often, you'll get a scene where you hear him listening, whether he's driving Tommy around as he's, as he's running or he's listening on his Walkman, which is a cassette tape that you listen to through headphones because nobody has Walkmans <laughs> nowadays. And this movie's not old. It came out in 2011. But this, this thing of, of Moby Dick, and he's listening to Moby Dick, and you're just like, I, I had to look it up because to me, I haven't read it. You said you haven't read it. All I know is it's this captain who's chasing this white whale and I had, and there was an interview with the director. And so they ask him about, he's listening to this tape throughout the film. And uh, the director said, you know how people replace their addictions. Patty replaces his addiction with books. He becomes an armchair traveler traveling the world through novels. So when I had to pick a story, I chose Moby Dick because for Tommy, the old man is the white whale. In the book, there is only one white whale in the oceans. And in Tommy's eyes, there is no one else like his dad. In the book, the whale bit off Ahab's leg, and now Ahab is hunting the whale in this megalomaniacal way. I can't I struggle with that word. <laughs> in order to kill him in revenge. And that's what Tommy is doing. He's come home to destroy his father because he sees his father was has having eaten him when he was a boy. And then in a scene that comes up, he he calls Tommy on it, and he calls him Ahab. And to this point, we haven't really seen that of the the goal of destroying his father. But then after the con conversation with Brendan, Tommy goes to the to the slot machines, and Patty comes down. And he finds him. He's like, "I'm really proud of you for what you did. You saved those guys." And he says, "Well, are you proud of me for deserting my unit?" It's like, after I watched my brother die, I left. And what was I going to do? Let him drown? And this is what happens. What the hell happened over there, Tommy? That is none of your business, man. Oh, come on, Kenny. You know, I've been there. I've done it. I've seen it. You can trust me. I understand. Can you spare me the compassion of father routine, Pop? The suit don't fit. Tommy... I'm really trying here. You're trying? Yeah, I'm really I'm trying. Now? Where were you when it mattered? 
I, I needed this guy back when I was a kid. I don't need you now. You know, it's too late now. Everything has already happened. You and Brenda don't seem to understand that. Let me explain something to you, okay? The only thing that I have in common with Brendan Condon is that the pair of us, we have absolutely no use for you. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah. I was right. I think I liked you better when you were a drunk. Well, at least you had some balls there. Not like now, tiptoeing around and so. And after that scene, Patty goes after going over a thousand days and he gets hammered. And the next scene is you, you see Tommy come out of the, the room. They have adjoining hotel rooms and, and Patty's drunk, but he's quoting this stuff. He's listening to the Ahab. He's listening to Moby Dick on his book and he's, and he's yelling at Tommy and he calls, he calls Tommy Ahab. And he begs him to stop the ship. And he breaks down. And when Patty gets drunk and gets in his face, he says he sees Tommy. Tommy sees himself in the old man. And I think what you see is, is this build of these guys have all learned to deal with their wounds, with their, their pain and their sorrow and their hurt. They've lived for dec over a decade with that. But at some point, at some point, all right, well, so much. Paul's getting choked up. At some point, God interrupts <laughs> us and says, you can't live like this anymore. Your heart is broken. But the only way to fix it, the only way to find relief is to admit it. Like all along, they're like, no, things are fine. Things are fine. I've lived my life. I've got it. Everything, you know, Brendan's, everything's buttoned up. Yeah, Pop, you can you can be out there. You can call, you can mail, but don't show up. He's got his life buttoned up. And Tommy's just a caged animal going around fighting everybody and just keeping everybody at, at a distance because of his pain of losing his mother, of losing his brother, and he's just hurting. Yeah, I think there was guilt because of the whole unit. He was the only one alive. Yeah. He's the only one who survived that. He had to live with that. And then you wonder, why did I get through this? And why? I think that the guilt must have been overwhelming to him as well. And he was going to give the whole, if yep. he won, that he wanted to give the $5 million to uh, this fallen brother's wife. Yeah. Because maybe that would pay off the guilt. Maybe that would be why he was allowed to live. Yeah. But I think a lot of us live like that in varying degrees of we, we put, we wrap away our pain and our hurt and our fear. We sort of, you know, being in the medical field, it's like an abscess. As long as it's encapsulated, it's fine. But when it bursts, one, it can kill you because the infection goes throughout your body. But also in order to heal it, you've got to, Lance the wound. You've got to purge the, the abscess. You've got to get the infection out. And through this movie, that's what it is. It's, <laughs> it's like a pimple. It's just getting bigger <laughs> and it's getting ready to pop. And so the, the movie comes to this culmination where Brendan and Tommy are fighting for the championship. And you've got 
Tommy, and they find out now he's deserted his unit. They're like, oh, he's going to go to jail after this. Tommy is fighting for him by himself now because, and it was very interesting because it was seeing his dad drunk that made him soften. And there's a, there, it's a touching scene cause he takes his dad and he just, he wraps him up and he just holds him Yeah. in the first time that he's ever interacted as a son to his father, because he's like, Oh, that's the dad I know. That's the dad I remember. And he sees the pain in this creature that is his dad. And he shows compassion because what he sees is I am doing to my dad, what he did to me for all those years. And I don't, I want to, you know, and he's like, here's what I wish my dad had done for me. And he wraps him up and they go to, and he, I guess, sleeps it off. And then he goes to fight and Tommy walks in. He's still pretty cold towards his brother. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he goes in, Tommy goes in completely by himself, completely silent the Marines are singing the Marine song to him and, and he acknowledges them for once. And then Brendan shows up and they go, they meet in the middle of the ring and Tommy's just completely cold, completely shut off, completely angry, like caged animal, like can't even between the rounds, he doesn't sit down. He's pacing. And Brendan's like, where's pop? And he just turns and walks away. It's interesting because when he showed up before for Brendan's fights, Brendan didn't acknowledge him. He saw him. Yeah. But he would never acknowledge him. And then for this final one, I mean, he's been drunk and he he doesn't show up for the fight. Then Brendan's saying, well, where is he? Or later during the fight, he comes back in. But he's pretty much in the back seat now. But I found it very interesting that Brendan – even though he wasn't giving him any due, right? <laughs> he wanted him there. Yeah. Yeah. He noticed he wasn't there to the point where he is like, it's like, where's pop? And Tommy was gone. And then the, the round starts and he come, Tommy comes out wailing on him just, and what he says is all the years of hurt and anger and betrayal pouring out into his fists and Brennan's getting whooped. And at the end of the round, there's like, I don't know how he's doing this. What's keeping him going? And Tommy wasn't able to knock out Brendan in that first, like every other person, it had been the fastest knockout ever. And then in the second round, Brendan gets Tommy in one of the submissions, but Tommy doesn't back down. He doesn't tap out and Brendan pops his, dislocates his shoulder and he doesn't stop. He doesn't give up. He doesn't tap out. And so you get to the third round and he's walking around with a one. Tommy's walking around with a useless arm trying to fight. And, and Brennan's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And he still keeps trying to fight and they're just sort of dancing away. And Frank's like, come on, man, you got to end this. You got to take him down. You got to, you got to win the fight. And you see, Losing you again. Yeah. You see Brendan <laughs> seeing him as his little brother again. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't want to hurt him anymore. He doesn't. He's walking around with his hands down. He's only got one. Tommy's only punching with one hand and you know, he's easily avoided. And he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I got to stop this. And so he kicks him, knocks him down. So, it, so he gets him down in the submission. He sort of becomes the big brother 
that Tommy left. says i love you yeah that he taps out i mean really the whole movie builds to this yeah it built i mean to the the reconciliation the softening of tommy to his dad and then with his brother um and the recognition i mean these guys are <laughs> it's just so funny you've got these guys that are beating on each other yeah saying i'm sorry and i love you it's just um, it doesn't go along with the, the macho, right? The guy kind of a thing, and I think that that's what made this movie one of my favorite guy movies. And the way we're talking forgiveness and love and all this kind of stuff uh, <laughs> contrasted with beating somebody into submission, yeah. <laughs> because there's two sides to forgiveness. Because you first have to offer it but it also has to be received and I think that the reason that that scene hits me so hard is because that's how I see Jesus interacting with us mm -hmm. there's this um, in, in the book Union with Christ uh, the author I can't remember his name but he tells this story about the Michelangelo um, Pieta the, the sculpture of Mary holding the body of Jesus and somebody had gotten in and vandalized it years ago, taken sledgehammers and destroyed it or seriously damaged it. And all these, all these experts came in and picked up all the pieces and painstakingly put them back together, like glued all the little mm. particles, all the dust. They figured out where it all went to restore it. And, in, and the guy said, that's what Christ came for us. But for us, we, he, He's not going to do it against our will. We sort of have to, and my, I have this picture of we, we take our face and it's like, my face is broken, but I can't fix it. But there's these two guys that spent their lives trying to fix their broken hearts. And they couldn't do it. And in this instance, you know, Tommy had been fighting and fighting and keeping everybody away because of all the hurt and the pain. And he says, I'm sorry, Tommy but it's okay. Tap out mm -hmm. because I love you and everything shifts in that moment. And he walks out of the ring and he's over him. You know, the, the ref calls the fight and, and Brendan is, is leaning over his injured brother, keeping the, the cameras away, keeping everybody away. And Tommy walks out of the ring with somebody for the first time. Yep. You know, it's kind of like Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, that Jesus call, why are you kicking at the goads or whatever it is? Always seeking, angry. I don't know if that's a, a, a valid <laughs> interpretation, but that's what it brought to mind, this uh, anger we have towards God, this frustration that we have, the guilt that we carry, 
and it got paid for with the bruises and the stripes and the death of Christ. And we're told that, that we're clothed in his righteousness and that we're hidden in him. And as you saw, Brendan put his arm around Tommy, uh, protect him, cover him as they walked mm-hmm. out the uh, out of the ring. Beautiful picture of the love that, that Christ has for, for us in the sense that we're covered and protected and we're forgiven. And so there's a lot of levels of that we deal with on a human side that this movie resonates with guys, with their relationship with their dad or their sons or uh, with their moms, parents, brothers. Um, and I think that that's what made this uh, fascinating. It's more than a fight movie. <laughs> well, because we've all been hurt and betrayed and wounded by our family at some point. Yep. And I, I heard somebody say that forgiveness is like breathing. We constantly have to both be extending it for for the injuries and wounds and offenses that people have given us, as well as receiving it for the wounds and injuries and hurts that we've given other mm-hmm. people that we don't even know probably the majority of the time. And so in a close community, he says uh, forgiveness is like breathing, constantly extending it and accepting it. And it's eminently necessary and important in the sense Jesus said, if you had anything against your brother before you sacrifice to me, you go and make it right with him. It's an important thing to do. What a cleansing that, a relief you could feel in all of this. As they said, I love you, and I'm so, and I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, we can't always fix the things that we've done wrong in the past. Uh, we can go forth like, like Frank did and said, yeah, I'll help you. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, going forward. And so that's the best that we can do. We certainly can look forward to receiving our forgiveness through repentance. We change the way that we live and behave. Hopefully we don't do the same things again. Well, and what we didn't say was that in the middle of the fight, Patty shows up. He wakes up. Mm-hmm. He gets there. And he's watching his boys wail on each other. And he's just like, Almost, this is my legacy. My boys hate each other, and they hate me. And then they walk out together. That's what he, the whole movie started that way, where he was telling Brendan, Tommy's back in town. Right. Uh, They end up walking out that way. So The ending confuses me, because I'm like, well, what, uh, this movie offers a lot more questions than answers of what happened three years ago that made Brendan... Do that. What, how did the mob, you know, all these questions of uh, that it leaves, I think, purposely vague. And my question is, you know, you see them, you see Brendan and Tommy walking out together and there's Patty and what happens to him. And I think as the father, he looks and he's like, it's a start. There's still hope. Yeah. It's not over yet. So wrapping up, why should, why should they watch the movie? I think it has elements of, it's certainly a very entertaining movie. 
uh, we we made it probably sound slower than it really goes. No, they actually say <laughs> it's pretty slow. It spends, you've got, what is it, 45? You've got most of the movie before the tournament even starts. Yeah. And it was on purpose so you, that you cared to that level where if you're like me, you're crying there at the end. And by the way, that's what I've seen a lot of the reviews are like, this is, I've watched it and I cry <laughs> four times every time. And you're just like, whoa, what in the world? You normally don't think of a guy movie that yeah, way. Yeah, that's a re- if you really want to cry, yeah. But that's why we're, that's why we do this podcast is like, what is it about these movies that connect that capture our hearts? I, I think it's the whole concept of forgiveness in this, the need for it, how life happens that uh, kind of pushes us away from each other, the idea of reconciliation, uh, all those are eternal kind of concepts that speak to our hearts. And I think that that's why that the movie is one worth watching. We both crave forgiveness for the wrongs that we've done. And we know in the deepest fabric of our souls that we were made to forgive others because we are made in the image of God. And because he's forgiven us, our actual, we, the, the, self part, the poser part, the sinful part of us wants to hold people's offenses and keep them at arm's bay. But that's actually a pretty miserable life. You live alone and and isolated like Tommy. But when you do forgive, when you do extend that forgiveness, then you live a much more wholehearted life. And then you, you, you experience a joy and a peace and a contentment in your life that really doesn't make sense. And I think you can almost see that in the fight scenes themselves. You know, Frank has got the ode to joy, the music coming in as as Brendan fights, and he's telling him to relax, have patience, and it's going to come. Your opportunity will come. As long as you don't tap out. Yeah, as long as you don't give up yeah. and tap out. Just don't give up. Do not grow weary. <laughs> That's right. Don't tap <laughs> in well-doing. <laughs> Steadfast and immovable. Um, well, I mean, there's so many uh, jumping off points in this movie. I mean, we could get. Um, yeah, there's like four clips I didn't play. Like the, uh, that one, that one. Uh, uh, I can actually, I can play it and you can hear it. This one, I, I liked it. Why are we here? Why are we here, Brendan? Why are we here? Are we here to win this fight? Are we here to win this fight? You tell me, because if we're not, I will throw in the towel. We will get tested and we will go home. We'll go home, okay? You don't knock him out, you lose the fight. Do you understand me? You don't knock him out. You don't have a... It's like, you don't knock him out, you don't have a home. But it's it's him giving the guy the right perspective while he's in the middle of the battle. Yeah. Why are we here? What are we fighting for? And I think that we need that. And I think going oh, yeah. to church is one way we get that. We got all week getting beat up. And, yeah. and you need some coach, somebody out there saying, well, why are we doing this? What's at stake here? And I had a the image of like that was Jesus in the garden and the angels ministering to him. It's like, why are you here? 
you can give up. You could. Like you, mm-hmm. you're asking for the cup to pass. Yeah. But if you give up, you don't have a home. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, I mean, do it, do it. And again, not literal, but from that mindset right. of why are we here? Why are you here? Yeah. There's well, no backing up. It's like, you got nowhere else to go. You're all in. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting about his wife too. Oh, she was great. I uh, know. That's the thing. Like this could have gone another hour. Yeah. Like really digging into Frank and the Frank story, digging into Tess and her story. Yeah. I love that after the phone call, he's like, I mean, I'm going, he's like, Oh, is that the decision that we just made together here on this <laughs> right. conversation? I'm so glad I was a part of it. <laughs> and then she retaliates that I'm not watching. Yeah. I'm not doing this. Just, I, you know, she could do it because she didn't want to see him get hurt or was it because I'm ticked off because you didn't talk this over with me. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that she just couldn't watch. Of course, she didn't want him doing the fighting in the beginning. But. Right. But then at the same time, like I wrote down, when she showed up at the fight for Koba, yeah. I think that was the one she showed up for. And it's like she loves the fighter in him. She loves the warrior in him. Yes. Yeah. And the same thing that she loves about him terrifies her. It's like that thing about Aslan. Like, oh, is he is he safe? It's like, good gracious, no, he's a lion. Of course he's not safe. Yeah. But he's good. Well, and I don't know if you noticed the t-shirts that they were wearing. Soul of a lion? Soul of a lion and uh, still, to joy. I didn't Yeah, what was the other one? Something about believe. Still believe. Oh yeah. I, I noticed I, the one. I didn't I wrote, get the other. Oh, I wrote it down because I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, soul of a lion and simply believe. Yeah. Well, and I, I thought like the clip where he's like, you set the rhythm, you set the pace, don't give up, listen to the music. I was like, that is, to me, that that's God talking to us in the battle. You got to relax and stay calm. The cage is your home. You set the pace. You set the rhythm. Feel the Beethoven. Be smarter than him. More patient. Wait for him to make a mistake. And when he does, that's your moment. When we're in it, those are the words we need to hear is that because we want to respond, we want to react, we want to spin out of control and take things in our own hands instead of saying, no, it's, you know. Well, there he is on the side of the cage getting beat up. And Frank's in the corner and saying, relax. Hips up. get your hips up <laughs> yeah he's yeah. like you you're doing great you're doing i mean oh that one fight i guess it was with the cobra there where he comes to the corner and he's yeah. just got beat to a pulp and he said you're doing beautiful it's yeah. beautiful you're beautiful out there you're just like <laughs> yeah i'm like oh my gosh we all we all need a friend like frank it's interesting that 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 movie really had so much spiritual significance. It's certainly not a Christian movie, but the themes in it certainly were. Well, and that's that's the purpose, right? Is to to uncover God's truth. Like you said, I mean, 
the replacements is raunchy. It is bad football, super cheesy. But the story is about the transformation of Shane's heart. Yeah. And that's what God's about is transforming people's hearts. And yeah. So that's, that's, that's the thing. It was like all truth. If it's true, it's from God because all truth is God's truth. And I think that that's what we are drawn to. Yeah. Because it's written on our souls. And that's why we, and, and that's the whole premise of this podcast is there are things that are out there that the reason that we get emotional or the reason that we love them, the movies is because it, it awakens something within us. Like it says, all creation declares the glory of God. And if it's making something alive with us, what Morgan says is desire reveals design and design reveals destiny. It's like, where are those things that your heart comes alive? Mm-hmm. Well, that can only be, Satan doesn't bring you to life. It's a cheap, he, he tries and it's where we pursue it. Oh, if we'll find life if we do this or we'll do this and we chase it, but it's all empty. But it's those moments where it's just like, oh, for me, I think, like I look at this movie and nobody, like Tommy's hard to cheer for, I think. Well, yeah, he's that, he's so unkind. He's so cold, except for you see this other side with his fallen comrade there. Right. And his wife. You see some warm moments or glitter glimmer of light but he shuts that down uh, most of the time and that's what c.s lewis says is we meet a man and we think him cold when he is merely sad and that's tommy he's like he's hurt he is he's a wounded puppy and i think what what i think the reason it i get so emotional is you know it's easy to say oh yeah i'm the patty you know we relate to characters in the movies He's like, oh, I want to, you know, you want to be Brendan, who's, who is, appears to be forgiving. But in reality, is like, I'm Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) Like in in my soul, it's like, that's how we are, is we lash out and we're angry and we're hurt and we're cowering. And it's only when we accept the love of God, but also of other people that we we are who we were made to be yeah well thanks paul that was fun yeah i enjoyed it i enjoyed watching the movie again it's funny i've seen it probably three or four times in eight years or so yeah I think every this time was i the... watch it i like it yeah it's and so it is fun it's, watching... it's slow building and then like it's not funny there's not a lot of laughing parts but you no. sort of you feel for the guys in the movie. You cheer for all of them. And what you cheer for yeah. is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. The winning of the fight kind of the, the loss of the house. That all goes. The fight's not for the way. money, it's for their heart. Yeah. It's but beautiful. Watching the uh the kids, you know, well, the principal, you know, oh, he watches that was the great. first fight. Yeah. And then the next thing you know. His wife is joining him watching the next fight. And then there's a, they're at the drive-in. <laughs> and again, it's the people that he knows. The people that know Brendan are the ones gathering. 
Yeah. And the people who don't know him are just like, who's this guy? Whereas it's the opposite with Tommy. I just thought the contrast was so well done. Yeah, and they could have put on another 10 minutes of the movie to tie everything up in a neat bow where he goes back to school, he pays off his house, he gives money to part of his winnings to this lady. And he pops in there with the grandkids. Yeah, but I think it, it's not always that neat. <laughs> right, yeah, there's still ugly stuff. stuff. Like you still have to figure out, well, he's is he going to jail? What's going to happen? You know, what's yeah. he going to do with the money? How's it does, you know, but I think too is, again, sort of a glimmer of heaven. We don't We don't see the restoration yet. We don't see heaven yet, but it also says, well, what do you hope for that happens after that? <laughs> like I get scared. They just like, oh, they just, they go off and they're fine, but they're still hate pops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you said that. It just made us for Thanksgiving, which was a pretty cool thing, but just had the idea that we all write down what we're thankful for. Uh, and she put it in this big picture. Mm -hmm. bowl and then we after we ate we sat there and we read you know i'm thankful for pokemon and, <laughs> <laughs> and there was some nice things but what one thing and i don't know why i did it i was just thinking about it i i said i'm i'm thankful for the glimpses of heaven we have in our earthly situations or our or life. I wrote it nicer than that. That's still pretty good. I, I, I think that there really are. We have glimpses of of heaven. Um, and I think that moments of forgiveness, victory over certain things, reconciliations, the joys. I, I took the dog out and I just there was a partially deflated basketball. Yeah. And I watched the dog play with it. And the dog, it was pure joy to the dog. He would go and he started out, he got this ball and he would bark at it and then he'd run away from it and then he'd run to it and straddle it and fall over it <laughs> and bark at it and pure joy the yeah. dog had and i had pure joy just watching this dog play with a deflated basketball and i think that in little things like that that it's a glimpse of the we're going to have moments of pure joy and feeling just totally free of all the burden well it's one of the things at heaven that's it's so appealing not to be weighted down with sin and temptation anymore not to worry about that i, I just <laughs> yeah we don't worry about our desires because our desires are completely god's like we yeah. know that we can't desire anything that is not god's desire and that's such a freedom it really is <laughs> it's like i and, don't have to and, question my motives or doubt my decisions or anything that plagues me and that's that's a good way to put it is a stinking rotten plague. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because it's it's there. You know, on the one hand, 
you know, I'm talking to these people, trying to encourage them. I ask them about, you know, how to pray for them and all that kind of stuff. And if they're praying with each other and how they're doing as a family. And one hand, I, I want to have good motives for it. On the other, I feel accountable that I ought to be doing this. And as my motive, you know, and you feel guilty, you're not doing what you're asking them if they're doing. I should do more. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wonder, well, did I say what I should have said? Or should I said been harder or should I have been softer? Or and you're constant? like, all right, God, you got to translate whatever you meant for, you got to use my words and your translator. Yeah. And I worry about what they think of me. Yeah. It's all junk. <laughs> all junk so I hope you enjoyed this podcast this episode of Men at the Movies with uh, Paul McDonald Squared with me and my dad talking about Warrior so go watch Warrior uh, if you if your kids are old enough uh, your boys are old enough watch it with them and if not watch it with your dad and then uh, in, enjoy the fight scenes and it's like come for the fight scenes stay for the forgiveness and uh, we'll see you next week here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Mm-hmm.